Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your name. Hallelujah. Don't you appreciate the presence of the Lord? Isn't it sweet? I tell you, I love to worship the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Well, you can be seated tonight. And uh, in the sweet presence of God, amen. I need to give Bruce something here for the end. Thank you, Lord. Just have that ready for me. It's just one track. Praise you, Lord. Well, thanks for coming out tonight. I'm glad you're here. I believe the Lord has spoken some things to us in these meetings, you know, and, and I pray that your heart will take hold of those and, and embrace them as realities. God said things are turning around. Whatever your situation may be or has been, we believe that, that things are turning around in a different direction, going in a change of, uh, and in the course of direction in your favor. And as you're going, remember you need to maintain joy and maintain peace. We had that on Sunday night. And then, of course, last night we talked about we believe this is a time and season in which plans and purposes and dreams are coming true, a time of restoration, and that we want to declare that, you know, and, and have an expectation for it. And so tonight it just uh, seemed good to an, us in the Holy Spirit uh, just to have a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, you know. So I want to share something with you that will serve just as kind of a, a premise upon which we can base our our uh, time together tonight in the Word uh, because it, it brings forth a really good point. You know, I traveled with Kenneth E. Hagan, as we said, for 11 years. How many of you know who Kenneth Hagan was? I'm sure as your pastor you know, and you've probably read some books and things. But I did have the privilege of, of working with him and for them 11 years, 10 and a half years with him before he passed. And uh, we had what we called Holy Ghost meetings uh, for seven, about seven of those ten and a half years. And, you know, a Holy Ghost meeting is simply, of course, uh, where the Word of God is preached or taught. Uh, and, then, uh, and then it's where the Holy Spirit is leading and is in demonstration. And then we also say it's where the saints are, are the needs of the people are met and the saints are filled with joy. So we kind of had a premise upon which to operate. But in one of our Holy Ghost meetings... Uh, we were in Jackson, Mississippi, and there was such a deep move of the Spirit in that particular uh, meeting. And so it was just prior, not too far uh, before Brother Hagin's departure to heaven. And he began to prophesy by the Spirit of God. A and also, uh, obviously, uh, by virtue of what was spoken, he was seeing certain things. And these were the words that he spoke, and I've meditated upon it, so it's in my spirit, and I thought I'd share it with you because it's pertinent to you and I in this generation as the ones who are waiting on the coming of Christ, and, and we do have a responsibility uh, to, you know, occupy until he comes and to make an impact for the kingdom of God. I believe what we do, we must do quickly, we must do powerfully, and we need to do accurately. But the word of the Lord came to him saying, and I want to share it with you, if it could be told to you, if it were possible for you to look into the future and to see that which is coming, he said your hearts would be glad. If you could look into the future and see that which is in store, he said it would be difficult for some of you even to believe. But it shall surely come. The power of God in manifestation shall come. And where there's been a few saved here and a few saved there, 
Many shall be saved here and many shall be saved there. Of course, in the first decade of this uh, century and millennium, we've already seen that come to pass in the fact that there's been more people saved in this one uh, first decade of this century than any previous decade in history. And so the body of Christ is accelerating in the harvest. But he said, many shall be saved here, many shall be saved there. Where there's been a few filled with the Spirit here and a few filled with the Spirit there, many shall be filled with the Spirit here, many shall be filled with the Spirit there. And where there's been a few uh, healed here and a few healed there, an outstanding healing here, an outstanding healing there, many healings. He, he said a, a revival or a renewal is coming. Now, we understand we don't need a revival or a renewal to lay hands on the sick, to cast out devils, to execute that which has already been invested in us through Christ. But we also understand by looking at history that there are times and seasons in which God emphasizes certain aspects of His person or presence or power that we have called or termed moves of God or revival. Revivals. So we said a revival is coming of special faith, of the working of miracles, of the gifts of healings. He said, as Elijah said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. First, he said, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand rising out over the sea. Brother Hagen prophesying by the Spirit and obviously seeing said. He said, I see a cloud rising on the horizon of time and I hear the sound of the abundance of rain he said glory to God the rain is coming the former and the latter rain together falling upon his saints falling upon good ground and when that spirit manifests himself all those around shall be blessed not only will you be blessed and your family be blessed, but everyone you come in contact with will be blessed. Now, we could shout and rejoice about that, right? And thank God for it. But then the next phrase was, Now, sit and say, Let's see it come, and when it comes, I'll rejoice, and nothing will happen. Now, how could that be true? Uh, you know, God has spoken. He's seen by the Spirit. And this is why I wanted to share it to emphasize the point. The Spirit of God said, Now sit and say, let's see it come. And when it comes, I'll rejoice and nothing will happen. Now, why would that be true? Because <laughs> when God speaks through the written word or the prophetic word and is truly inspired, He does so with the intention that you and I as the believer, the hearer, the believer, that we so embrace that word and pray over that word and begin to move toward that in that word in faith, that in so doing we actually become the catalyst through which it comes to pass. Are you with me? We understand that the purposes of the head are always contingent upon the cooperation of the body. Isn't that true? Did you know that Jesus told Brother Hagin in 1987 uh, in a vision, plans, purposes, and pursuits, it was recorded in that book, 
uh, he said uh, um, an amazing statement among many things, but one of the things he said was, there are things that I have desired to do in the earth and through the church that I have been unable to do because of a lack of cooperation. Isn't that amazing? Jesus Christ, the head of the church, the King of kings and the Lord of lords says, I am limited in what I have been able to do in the earth and through the church because of a lack of cooperation. And yet when we take a step back, we understand that principle is reality. He is the head. We are the body. The purposes of the head are always contingent upon the cooperation of the body. So the word of the Lord came saying, man, God wants to have a tremendous outpouring of His Spirit. And where there's been a few saved and a few filled with the Spirit and a, and a few healed, you know, a renewal of, of tremendous outpouring. But then He said, now sit and say, let's see it come. And then I'll rejoice and nothing will happen. And then He went on to say, but arise. Arise, leap into the water, not just waters to wade in, but waters to swim in. What does that mean? Well, most often water represents the spirit, right? And, and you know, if you're going to catch a wave at the ocean, you don't stand on the shore until you see the wave, you know, bolstering out in the in the ocean. You have to get out there in the water. And you have to what? Position yourself in the water to catch the wave, so to speak. And so when he says, you know, arise, leap into the water, not just waters to wade in, but waters to swim in. What does that mean? Position yourself in the Spirit. And the rain will come. And the glory will fall. And the healings will be in greater manifestation. Now, if the purposes of the head are contingent upon the cooperation of the body, if Jesus, excuse me, is looking for you and me to cooperate with Him in the execution of His divine purposes, in touching people's lives, then quite naturally, we're going to be, we, we must be in a position to perceive His leadings, right? Excuse me. So, the point is, I cannot participate in that which I do not perceive. Are you with me? And so I can't perceive the leadings of the Spirit unless I'm walking in the Spirit. And that's where I want to kind of focus. You know, if there ever was a time where you and I need to live our lives in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit, it is now. And I'm not talking about walking around in some kind of trance or state of euphoria. I'm talking about a place that you occupy in God, in Christ, through prayer and communion of the Holy Spirit, where you know things and perceive things that you would not know, recognize, or perceive otherwise. Are you with me? You know, John said, the the Apostle John, over in in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10. And I'll just make reference to it because they'll put it up there. But remember, he said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Remember that? 
I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And the point is, because he was what? In the Spirit on the Lord's day. He saw things and he perceived things and he heard things that he would not have seen nor perceived nor heard otherwise. Are you with me? Once again, the point being, the purposes of the head are contingent upon the cooperation of the body, but I cannot participate in that which I do not perceive. So, over in Luke chapter 2, just as another example talking about being in the Spirit, Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 25, 2 and 25. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same was a, a just and devout man waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death until he'd seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. That's the King James. Several other translations that I looked into said he came in the Spirit. Now we know certainly he wasn't born born again. The Spirit of God obviously could not have resided within him uh, unless supernaturally. It says John the Baptist was filled with the Spirit from his mother's womb. So, But in this situation, my point is he came by the Spirit. He came in the Spirit into the temple. Uh, And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which you prepared before the face of all people. A light to the Gentiles, so forth and so on. The point being, Simeon, because he obviously was a man of prayer and he was in the company of the Holy Spirit, He saw things and he recognized something that no one else saw nor recognized, although Jesus was right in front of them. Nobody else seemed to recognize who he was. Please excuse me. Uh, Except that little Anna. Anna was in the temple praying too, you know, um, uh, in the communion and presence of God, and she also recognized. So the point is there's a place in God through the communion of the Holy Spirit where we can see and perceive and know things that we wouldn't know otherwise. Uh, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 9, you know the Scripture. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9. He said, I have not seen, neither ear heard, neither is entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for those that love Him, but He hath revealed them unto us, how? By His Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, save the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit which is of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but in that which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now here's the part, listen. For the natural man, what? Perceiveth not the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are what? Spiritually discerned. Now, I I just 
ask you the question. If a natural man cannot perceive the things of the leadings of the Spirit, can a carnal man? Probably not. Are you with me? Although born of the Spirit, not walking in the Spirit, we can miss a lot of the leadings of the Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> and so, one of the things that uh, Jesus told Brother Hagin in that vision, He said, you know, I need my people to stay filled with the Spirit. Why? So they can perceive the leadings of the Spirit. You know, I think about the cooperation that we should have with the person of the Holy Ghost. Uh, we can see it in Paul's ministry, that key word, perception or perceiving. Look in Acts chapter 14. <clears throat> Acts chapter 14. Beginning in, in verse 8. Glory to God. Just going to give a little word and then we're going to all be filled. Amen. Acts chapter 14, just drawing your attention to this. God needs a people now in this day that can cooperate with Him. Your pastor can't build this church. That's our job. To touch people in our sphere of life and influence. Acts chapter 14, verse 8. There said a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, who stead... Notice who steadfastly beholding him, and what? Perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped, and he walked. Notice that now. Paul said he's preaching the gospel. And then, steadfastly beholding that gentleman, he perceived, what? In his spirit, that the man had faith to be healed. He perceived what God wanted to do and the fact that the man was in a position to receive it. And based upon that revelation of the spirit, that communication, that perception, he was able then to actualize the power of God in that situation very boldly. Why? Because it wasn't in the flesh. See, Jesus said in John chapter 5 and verse 19, this is the way He lived His life and executed His ministry. He said, everything I do, everything I say, is in direct response to the Father's leadership through the person of the Holy Spirit. I say what I hear. I do what I see. Doesn't mean He's walking around with visions all the time, but He, what it means, I do what I perceive is the leading. I say what I have the unction to say. Are you with me? So, think about Peter when he came to that man at the gate called Beautiful in, in, in Acts chapter 3. <clears throat> you remember the story? Now, they passed by that man every day because the Scripture says he was laid there every day. But on that day, when the man asked alms of him, Peter, the Bible says, Peter said, look on us. Right? And doesn't it say something about uh, steadfastly beholding Him? Look at the next verse. Fastening His eyes. Look at the next verse. Keep going. 
fastening his eyes on him. Okay, well, anyway, fastening his eyes on him. I didn't know if it said that or not. But the point is, what was he doing? So steadfastly beholding him. What was he doing at that moment? I'll guarantee you there was an internal perception taking place. Because he'd always walk by the man, but steadfast, because that's happened to me before. Steadfastly beholding someone, all of a sudden there's a perception. You see what I mean? And then in cooperation with that, Peter then executed the outworking of that, that miracle. And so I think the most effective faith is that which is led by, directed by, and empowered by the person of the Holy Spirit, particularly when it comes to ministering to other people. Right? So, the premise is once again, there's probably a lot more that God wants to do than we're perceiving. (laughs) And if the purposes of the head are contingent upon the cooperation of the body then quite naturally, we need to get in sync with the Holy Ghost. Because this time is short. In 1950, Jesus appeared to Brother Hagin in a vision. I talk about his visions because they weren't for him, they were for us, the body of Christ. In 1950, he was in Rockwall, Texas. And uh, he was holding a tent meeting. There were about 40 people there. It rained all night. Did you know powerful things can happen in small groups of people? And so he, he said, I gave a short Bible lesson. And about 9.30 or 10 o'clock, I asked the people to come down and pray. I thought times have changed. A short Bible lesson and it was 10 o'clock. I was like, dear Lord. So anyway. And then he said, I asked the people to come down and pray. So he said, they came down and prayed. And he said, I kneeled by a folding chair on the platform. Just began to pray in the Spirit. He said, I never expected to happen what did happen. More than I expected to be a man on the moon. Or an astronaut. He said, but I was just praying and all, the, all of a sudden I heard someone say, come up hither. He said, I just kept praying. I thought everybody heard it. Thought somebody was up on the hill behind us playing around. And he said, then I heard it again. Come up hither. And he said, I opened my eyes. And he said, when I did, there was Jesus standing where the top of the tent pole should be. And he said, in a moment of time, not literally, but because he was in the Spirit... He said, the the tent disappeared, the tent pole, the people, everything. And I'm standing before Jesus uh, in that vision. Now, that vision was multifaceted. But the very first thing that happened, and it's relevant to my point this evening, is that when he stood before Jesus, he said he was holding the most beautiful crown that he'd ever seen in his life. And he said it was beyond words, beauty. And he said, Jesus, what is that crown? And Jesus said to him, this is a soul winner's crown. He said, but I say to my people, go here, minister to this one, speak to that one. And he said, my people are so busy and preoccupied that they miss what I'll term their divine cues. They miss the leadings. And he said, as a result, people go unministered to and souls are lost. You see what I mean? So what we need to do and what I feel encouraged to to inspire all of us to do is to seriously undertake the responsibility of walking and living not only in the light of the Word, but in the presence and the company of the Holy Spirit. Actualizing 
that fellowship and that intimacy. So, uh, you know, as we said to you, when we think about these days and times in which we're living and that prophetic word that was given uh, concerning, you know, this outpouring of the Spirit and, you know, and of course the coming of Christ and, and uh, what we're expecting with the harvest, that God, once again, needs our, our cooperation, our interaction with His divine purposes. And I've lost my train of thought here. It'll come back up here in a minute. <laughs> I'm circling till I land. You ever done that? <laughs> you ever circle till you land? Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. I got an outline, but I was going off of that a little bit. Okay, okay. so we're talking about... You remember uh, Acts chapter 2. People say today, what is, the, what is God doing in the earth? What, you know, everybody should know this awakening, that awakening. What I'm trying to tell you is, yeah, God wants an awakening. He wants an outpouring of the Spirit. Uh, 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 but the reality is, uh, did you know He said in that word, uh, you'll be blessed, your family will be blessed, and everyone you come in contact with will be blessed. Why? Because you're the carrier. It's not about God's glory falling in the parking lot. How about you carrying it and me carrying it wherever we go and manifesting that glory in harmony with and response to the leadings of the Holy Ghost. It's not about the, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, friends. It's about what? The sons and the daughters. The servants and the handmaidens anointed of the Holy Spirit filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit, impacting dramatically the lives we come in contact with. On the day of Pentecost, 120 ordinary people went in an upper room. But when they had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, they went in there timid and fearful, but they came out bold and courageous, believers anointed of the Spirit. And they turned that city upside down. It doesn't take many, just a few, who will abandon themselves to the person and presence and power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And I'm not talking about being goofy and strange. I'm talking about being naturally supernatural. Hallelujah. In the last days, saith God, and that was the beginning of them. We're consummating them now, coming to a close, I believe. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, not the totality of it on that day, but the beginning. This was that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your servants and your handmaidens you see see visions dream dreams so forth and so on so it's about the sons and the daughters the servants and the handmaidens tonight god wants to empower you and empower me in our mentality to come to the revelation of who we truly are in christ and what we have to offer those we come in contact with he doesn't want us to be status quo or fit in. Man, there should be a distinct difference. When we walk in a room, it ought to light up with our eyes, with our countenance, with our presence. Amen? 
And did you know God wants to use you and me? Ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And I think that's what I want us to see. God wants us to be convinced of that reality. My sister, she's not a Bible school graduate. She doesn't have an arsenal of Bible verses at her disposal. But I'll tell you what she she is. She's born again, filled with the Spirit. And, And she's just always maintained an intimacy with God through the communion of the Holy Ghost. She has her own business, works that job, raising, raising my cousin's kid, you know, because of a situation there. I mean, she's busy. But you know, when she's washing dishes, I worship you, Jesus. Vacuuming, oh, Lord, no more I love you, Lord, and praise. What is she doing? She's maintaining her position, her position, her place. And because of that sensitivity, she has the most amazing experiences. As an ordinary, if there is such a thing, ordinary believer, empowered by a supernatural God. She told me, she said, I I was going down, uh, and she has many experiences, but this is one I thought was very notable. She said, I was going down to make a deposit in the bank. And she said, I did not put any makeup on. Now, southern girls wear their makeup. She said, I didn't put on any makeup, so I I wasn't going in. I was going through the drive-thru. She said, so I got in the car, went down toward the bank. And she said, as I passed this antique store on the road that's to the bank, she said, I pass it all the time, I had a sense that I should turn around and go in that antique store. Now, notice, not a vision, not a voice, a perception. She said, I overrode it because I didn't have any makeup on. I wasn't going in. So she said, I kept driving. She said, but the farther I went, the more grieved I became. You see. So she said, I turned around, went into that parking lot, went into the antique store. She said, I had no idea, Bubba. She calls me Bubba. Why? Why I was there. So I just started looking at antiques. She said, but in a moment, I spotted a man and a woman over in the distance. And she said, when I saw that woman, I knew, proceed, I knew that was my divine target. So she said, I just made my way over. Now, my sister's bold as a lion. She's been the type of personality. She could care less what you think. (laughs) That works real good when you're in the Holy Ghost. You know what I mean? (laughs) She went over and she said, excuse me, ma'am. She said, I don't mean to interrupt. She said, but I'm here on assignment from Almighty God. Said it just like that. She said, when she said that woman started crying and weeping and she began to tell her story. And she told my sister, she said, I've been backslidden for many years. She said, I I was born again when I was young, but I've been out of fellowship. I don't have a church, don't have a pastor. And she said, you know, Of course, that's concerned me, and particularly now, she said. Because, she said, the most pressing issue is that I've been diagnosed with cancer. Seven places in my body. And she said, I've been crying out to God that He would heal me. And she said, to think He would come and visit me here in an antique store. You know He will? If we'll go. If it's at the supermarket, the gas station, on the street, at work. And like I said, we don't have to make a big scene. 
You know, just do our assignment. Why? Because when you're going in the power of the Spirit and the leading of the Spirit, you don't have to work anything up about it. He's already there. You're just following instructions, and it's going to happen. Just take His word for it. So my sister said, well, that's why He sent me. She said, I was riding by, and I sensed I should come in. I'm here to pray for you. And the woman, of course, she just cried. You know, the man, I'm sure his big eyes looking over. I don't know what he was doing. She didn't tell me. But so my sister said, well, let me pray for you. And so she did. She shared a little bit with her and then prayed for her. And she said she just put her hands right there in the antique store on her head in the corner over where they were talking. She didn't scream or holler. She just said, she said, this is how I pray. This is what came out in the name of Jesus. I command the spirit of fear and death. To come out of you in Jesus' name and be whole. Took her hand off. The woman's crying. She's hugging her, loving her. Talked with her a little bit more. Encouraged her. And she's going to leave. Why? Assignment completed. And so the woman says, Hey, hey, could I take your picture with my cell phone? She said, Sure. Get your number? Yeah. So she took her picture. Got her telephone number. Several, several weeks later, my sister got a call from that lady. And she said, Miss Blackwelder, do you remember me? I was the person in the antique store. She said, well, of course I do. It's not every day you lay hands in the antique store. Every day. So she said, I, I, I wanted to call and tell you something. She said, I began to feel so much better physically. I went back to the doctors and I asked them, would you please take some tests and, and so forth? And they did. And she said, guess what? She said, what? She said, they can't find any cancer anywhere in my body. Completely healed. <laughs> and it wasn't the evangelist or the prophet or the apostle. It was the believer anointed with the same Holy Ghost taking her cue and revolutionizing that woman's life and demonstrating what? The love of God to her. You know what I'm saying? We'll be amazed what God will do if we'll just take our cues and, and, and follow. He knows who's ripe, who's ready. There are times I sit on the plane, I know I should share. Other times I know they're not, they're, they're, it's not, it'll be fruitless. Not going to cast the pearls. See what I mean? I had some Jehovah's Witness come to my door. Anybody ever been to Jehovah's Witness? Or no? Or no? Have, all right, so... I had some Jehovah's Witness come to my door. I went out on the stoop to speak with them. You had the trainer and the trainee. And so uh, I was listening with kindness and consideration to the trainee because he was just doing a terrible job. He was relatively new. He just didn't know his scriptures and he was trying hard and the guy was trying to help him. So I was, you know, encouraging him, trying to listen. And so, you know, after a while he's holding his face like this. You know, and he's trying to talk and turn his Bible. I said, finally, I was like, what, what's the matter with you? I said, what's the matter with you? <laughs> he said, he said, I'm sorry, I'm in so much pain. I, I said, what is it? He said, I, I think I've got an abscess tooth or something. He said, I'm going tomorrow to, to get it checked out. Well, when he said that, I kind of got a cue, you know, on the inside. And I said, hey, can I make you a deal? He said, well, I guess so. I said, I've listened with kindness and courtesy to what you've shared. I said, but I am a born-again Christian. 
I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the way, the truth, and the life, the only way to the Father, the only name whereby men must be saved. And I said, may I share with you briefly what I believe the pathway to salvation to be? And if what I share with you is valid and authentic, I believe that same Jesus will heal you instantly. Deal? He said, deal. <laughs> now listen, I'm not out there on my own. I didn't, I, I, I took a cue. See what I mean? So it makes you a little more bold. So anyway, we're there and I just shared with him very briefly the gospel. And then I just put my hand on the side of his face right there on the front porch. And you know, I didn't go, whoa! I didn't do that. I can do that in church. Run around, get happy. Run over the pews. That's not the time and place. Scared the daylights out of me. <laughs> I just put my hand on the side of his face like that. Why? Because I knew I was just following the leader. And I said, in the name of Jesus, the name above every name, the way, the truth, and the life, the name whereby... Me, I wanted to get it all in. The name whereby men must be saved. <laughs> Get it all in. You know what I'm saying? I said, be healed. And when I took my hand off of him, the power got him, and that pain left him instantly. And his eyes lit up like a, two big saucers. And he said, it's gone. It's gone. And guess what? The trainer grabbed him and ran off. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. We've got to close the deal here. <laughs> Did you know Jesus will, Jesus will heal Sinners and even, un, you know, unbelievers, not Christian unbelievers, but I'm talking about unbelievers. He'll heal them. Why? As advertisement. I took a drunk. I was out on the street one night. I just got coming out of a restaurant and this drunk walked up to me. Got any money, you know? And I don't know. I just boldness. I said, I said, take my hand. And he took my hand like this. And I grabbed that hand. I just had an, I said, take my hand. He took my hand. And instantly, I'm telling you, instantly, the anointing of God went in that man and sobered him up instantly. And he cussed right there. He said, D, I'm sober. <laughs> That's what he said. The D word. D, I'm sober. I said, you sure are by the power of God. Now repeat after me. I, was, I told him, just repeat after me. I said, in the name of Jesus. And, and he just repeated the salvation prayer right after me. Amen. And then I gave him some money. I said, now go get you something to eat. Change your life. Amen. God wants to use us wherever we are. But what's the, what's the point? Well, we got to stay in a position to... Take our cues. Not things that were just coming up with our mind, but actual perceptions of the Spirit. You know what I'm saying? And so the way we do that, in order to walk in the Spirit and live in the Spirit, we have to stay filled with the Spirit. And once again, just to reiterate, reiterate in that 1987 vision, somebody asked Brother Hayden, what did Jesus talk about the most? He said, without question, this is what He talked to me the most about. And he said, once again, I need my people to stay filled with the Spirit. 
not just baptized in the Spirit initially. He said, I need them to stay filled with the Spirit. Amen. Why? So they can take their cues. So, we know over in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, Ephesians 5 and 18, Paul said, Be not drunk with wine where is an excess, but... Be filled with the Spirit. And quite naturally, you're well taught. In the Greek, that is a verb of continuance. Be ye continually. Be ye being filled. Because quite naturally, in this life we live, man, we leak. We leak. Stuff just pulls it out of you. Right? And we need to be continually filled. Now, He goes on to say, of course, speaking to yourself in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks unto Him. So that is one way that you maintain your position. Sing some songs during the day. Tell Him you love Him. Thank you, Jesus. I love you when you're in the car. Sing a song out of your heart or one you know. Just maintain that place. That, that's very valid. But I'd also like to submit to you that an additional way to stay filled with the Spirit is also by speaking continually, or I might even add excessively, <laughs> in the Spirit. <laughs> what is speaking in the Spirit? Well, we let the Bible interpret the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, you remember verse 2? Where Paul said, he who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. How be it, what? In the Spirit. In the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. Okay. So, one way that we can, I just submit, stay filled with the Spirit is to speak in the Spirit. And more specifically, in that supernatural language that accompanies the baptism of the Holy Spirit called unknown tongues. Amen. Uh, you know, um, Howard Carter, he was the founder of the first Pentecostal Bible College in Great Britain. And he made this statement. He said, speaking in other tongues, and if you have not received that experience, uh, I have a CD called uh, Empowered for Living. And if you haven't received that experience and you'd like to or have more information, I'll make sure I give you one. But we'll also give you the opportunity tonight. But he said speaking in other tongues is not just the initial evidence of being filled with the Spirit. But it is to be a continual source of infilling throughout one's life. A flowing stream which never runs dry. I tend to listen to the men and women of God who have gone before me, who have been obviously used in demonstrations of the power of God. For instance, you know, Kenneth E. Hagin, he made this statement when we were in one meeting. He said, there are two ways to get in the Spirit. He said, number one, the Spirit just puts you there instantly. You're there. And you're seeing, perceiving, or knowing things supernaturally. He said, the second way is to pray long enough in the Spirit or in other tongues until you pray into a place where you see things or perceive or know things that you would not see, perceive, or know otherwise. 
And then he went on to say, uh, he said, the trouble with many of you, your prayer life's too short. That's what the Holy Ghost is saying. That's what he said. Meaning, I was like, yeah. (laughs) We can all do a better job, can't we? I'm not fussing. I'm encouraging. God wants to do something right here in this city. Absolutely. Through me. Yes. It doesn't take but a few miracles to fill up the house, man. And they're not going to come in here to get them. It'll happen out there. Amen. And you'll just be amazed. So, staying filled with the Spirit. Smith Wigglesworth, anybody know who he is? 20-something people raised from the dead. Pick them up out of the bed, throw them against the wall. Documented. <laughs> That's bold. It's <laughs> bold as a lie. You know what he said? <clears throat> he said, it is a luxury to be filled with the Spirit. He said, but it is also a divine command not to be drunk with wine where is in excess, but to be continually filled with the Spirit. He said, no Pentecostal Christian ought to get out of bed in the morning without first getting lost in the Spirit, speaking to themselves in other tongues. He said, I maintain the position or opinion that if one would be continually filled with the Spirit, he will speak in the Spirit Morning, noon, and night. Now, you can't stay in your prayer closet all day praying in the Spirit. But when you're in your car by yourself, you can. When you're in your house by yourself, you can. You see what I'm saying? When I'm in the shower, I do. When I'm in my car, I do. I don't waste my time. I want to invest it in the Spirit. See what I mean? And you can do a lot of other things while you're praying in the Spirit. I mean, dear Lord, I cut my grass. Hallelujah. Yeah, cut my grass, praying in tongues. Pull weeds, praying in tongues. Woo! <laughs> you might get some looks from your neighbors, but I'm not making a show. They just think I'm talking to myself. Amen. I'm scriptural, speaking to yourself. And so, one further person, uh, John G. Lake an apostle to the continent of Africa there in the early 40s, right? Born in the 1940s, but then... Uh, well, no, he's born at the end of the century, but in the 40s there, I believe, uh, somewhere there. In the, apostle to the continent of Africa. Tremendous signs, wonders, and miracles. John G. Lake, he made this statement. He said, I want to speak to you with the utmost frankness concerning this particular language of tongues, which I speak mostly in the nighttime, he said. For I have found it to be not only the source of power that I operate in on a daily basis, but also an invaluable source of revelation knowledge that I preach to people every day. Did you hear him? He said, I found this language to be not only the source of power that I operate in on a daily basis, but also an invaluable source of revelation knowledge to, that I preach to people every day. Now, is, if his assertions are true, then we should be able to substantiate them from the Scripture. Is this language a source of power? Absolutely. Now, how do we know that? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4. He who speaks in an unknown tongue does what? Edifies himself. Builds himself up. Now the Beck translation says, He who speaks in an unknown tongue encourages himself. Anybody need to be encouraged from time to time? (laughs) 
encourages himself. The Knox translation says, He who speaks in an unknown tongue strengthens his own faith. How? I don't know. It just says it. So I do it. You need strengthening. You need encouraging. Pray in the Spirit. (laughs) I like the Webster translation. It says, He who speaks in an unknown tongue receives an uplifting and strengthening influence. What's that influence? The Holy Spirit of God. Let me give you one more. Jude. Verse 20, you know it. Building yourselves up, beloved, on your most holy faith. Doing what? Praying in the Holy Ghost. You want to see your life change? You've got to have the Word. We understand that. But you want, to, you want to come to a different place in life where you're like, you're walking around and, and when you come to crossroads, you know what to do. You're you're in a place where you perceive the paths of God, the workings of God, the wisdom of God, the mind of Christ. Pray more in the Spirit. You'll stay more happy. I'll tell you that. And listen to this translation, verse 20 in the Webster. It says, fortify yourself. That means fortify yourself. Strengthen yourself. And listen to this. Sustain yourself. What? Maintain your position. Fortify, strengthen, sustain yourself, praying in the power of the Holy Spirit. I like that version. Amen. Tonight, we just want to be filled afresh and anew. You know, they were filled on the day of Pentecost. But a few chapters over, they were filled again. Are you with me? So in a moment, I'm going to ask us to stand. And first of all, I'm going to give an opportunity for those of you who have never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You've been born of the Spirit, but you've never been baptized with the Spirit. There's a difference between being born of the Spirit and being empowered by the Spirit. There's a difference between the Spirit within And the Spirit upon. So if you've never been baptized with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, and you would like to, it's very important that if you come for that experience, that your heart is open, that you're ready to receive, that you're full of confidence. Otherwise, you know, you may want to investigate the subject a little more and then... uh, be thoroughly convinced of its reality. But if you're here and you say, you know, I was Baptist. I went to a, th- uh, to a, a Bible study. Man, I, I heard, I, yeah, I'd like that. And, and you desire that, I'd be happy to pray for you to, be, to receive the baptism. And if you'd like to receive that and you never have, raise your hand. Anyone in the building tonight, I've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I would like to. Anyone, raise your hand. I'll pray with you. Not going to push you down, tackle you, scare you. Just pray for you and lay hands on you. Anyone, anywhere. All right. So everybody in here is born of the Spirit and baptized with the Spirit. Glory to God. Or if you don't, come see me afterwards and I'll make sure you get a CD. All right. Now, so here's what we'll do then. 
Paul said, be not drunk with wine where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. One translation says, drink deeply of the Spirit. And, and you know, one way that you can drink of the Spirit is by, once again, speaking in the Spirit. And, and so I, tonight, I'm not, I don't want to holler in the Spirit or scream in the Spirit. <laughs> Although, you know, there's times where I get a little forceful. But I don't want to holler in the Spirit. I don't want to scream in the Spirit. I want to speak in the Spirit. And by so doing, as we all corporately begin to speak, out of the depths of our spirit, uh, with your eyes closed and your heart on God, and I'll tell you in a minute, when Bruce, you know, begin to speak out of your innermost being. And maybe you've never really spoken that much and you're not real confident. Go ahead and, and, and dig out of your spirit. Why? Because, did you notice the analogy Paul used? It wasn't an accident. He said, don't be drunk with wine. How does a person become inebriated, intoxicated, uh, uh, or drunk? How does that occur? They drink until their blood is saturated. With the substance of alcohol. And Paul said, now, we don't want to do it that way. But I do want you to drink deeply of the Spirit. And I want you to drink until your life is saturated with the person and the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And did you know you can't be drunk tomorrow on yesterday's drinks? If you want to get drunk again, you've got to drink again. <clears throat> that's why Smith Wigglesworth said, I maintain the opinion, if you're going to stay filled with the Spirit, you'll speak in the Spirit morning, noon, and night. Well, just keep drinking. And that way you stay filled because you're going to leak. Amen. <laughs> so in a moment, I'm just going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you to stand. And I want you to lift your hands and open your heart in the presence of God. And, and listen, you have to drink on purpose. Don't mumble in tongues. Speak. Draw from your spirit. And here's the, here's the thing. You might be like an old dry sponge. When you throw a dry sponge in a pail of water, what does it do? Floats on top. Impervious. You might feel like an old dry sponge. But I'm going to tell you something. If you'll just start speaking in the spirit and hook up with your spirit, then you start becoming pliable, and then you'll become what? Saturated, you see? And the, the reality is the more we drink as a corporate body, the more saturated the atmosphere will become. So we're going to drink for a little while, and then I might walk around and lay hands on people after we drink for a little while. Now, I'm not going to make an all-night deal. It's 10 till 9, just a little bit here. Everybody stand up. Is this helping anybody? I Listen. I just believe with all my heart God wants to use some folk in here to be a, a blessing to people you come in contact with. Right? And, and, and it'll impact the church. Now, if you go out, make sure you don't do anything goofy because we don't want to impact it negatively. <laughs> we want to impact it positively. So, you know what I'm saying. Just be normal, naturally supernatural. Alright? But expect some inter-encounters with folks. And be sensitive to them. Okay, Brother Bruce, would you start that? I just want us to drink here of the Spirit. Let's just see what the Holy Ghost will, will, wants to do here.
and, and fill the house with that CD. That's my in His presence. Bring it up. Bring it way up. I want to saturate the house with it. Now, can we just open our spirit to God? Let's just open our hearts. And let's all begin to drink now. If you've never been baptized with the Spirit and you didn't want to come up, you can be filled right there. Just ask Jesus to baptize you with the Spirit. And whatever sounds or syllables come up out of your spirit, you just give unction to them. Once your tongue is hooked up with your spirit, you'll begin to speak in the Spirit. Now let's speak. Kaladomo rezavo renge grishji grata. Lavorosa varege varimo matus kreteke. And we're not speaking for interpretation. We're speaking for edification. All believers. A fresh anointing. Drink deeply. Every vessel. Drink. Drink. Father, thank you for saturating, filling fresh, imparting a fresh oil and a fresh anointing. Conde Borimal mighty de Boron de Bagatja, Dilinomus, Misature, Magilolis of us. Rosa Grandalachi, Christ of Sinchik, Vesukaridamokushchik, Verejik, Sikosinichalevescut, Rejushitasa. Drink deeply, drink deeply. Santo Coromo, Monde Blevarichi, Meredivos Eregulashi. The more we drink, the more saturated we become. Morosa Vereja Varachi Christica. Meredibosor de Bassano Rego. Ilavo. This is you and Jesus. You and the Holy Ghost. You can be saturated and filled right where you are. The normal sea, la calm. Just lift your hands. 
hunger for you. We listen for you. Walk with you.
spirit here tonight. We've received from you. We've taken that water of gladness, oil of joy, and we're not satisfied. We want some more. Thank you, Father. We know how to get it. We know where to come to. We give you the praise and the glory for it. Marty's last night with us. You brought your offering. You need an offering envelope. Raise up your hand. Make sure that they get one to you. If you um, came out tonight and you wanted to bring an offering but forgot something, checkbook, money, whatever it is when you wanted to do, just write on there what you want to give and bring it with you on Sunday. We'll make sure he gets it. You can do that as well. Brother Marty, we've had a good time with you here this week. Sure enjoyed it.